0: About 10 years ago, I came across this singer-songwriter who writes some beautiful music. His name is Ryan O'Neill, and he goes by the stage name Sleeping At Last. He's a very creative songwriter, but he's also creative in the way that he gets his music out into the world. He offers an optional subscription service for his fans, uh, so he'll, he'll create these uh, These projects, these kind of theme collections of songs, about 20 songs or so, and at first it's it's just a vision, and he invites his fans to to buy into the vision, uh, to subscribe before the songs are actually written and recorded. I have discovered a lot of his music and really loved it, and so I decided, hey, this time around for this new collection, I'm gonna subscribe. So I, I gave $20 American in advance, trusting that Ryan will be true to his word and write these 20 songs. And uh, as, a, as a subscriber, I get some perks. In addition to the, the main versions of each song, there's also acoustic versions and instrumental versions and sometimes just this extra little song that he wrote on the side that he'll, he'll throw in for free. But perhaps the best part about being a subscriber is that I get to hear each new song before it's publicly released on iTunes, Spotify, etc. But as a subscriber, I do live with a little bit of internal tension, because there can be long periods of waiting between each new song, and I I start to wonder, is it coming? (laughs) Is he actually going to do it? But, as I said, he's, he's done it before. He's never let his fans down, so, so I trust that these songs will come in time. Each song has its own journey of creation, transformation, and, and revelation. A song begins in, in Ryan's mind with maybe a, a melody being conceived and some chords laid out on the piano or guitar. And then, eventually, some poetic lyrics are woven together before the song is transformed and brought fully alive by a band and accompanying uh, orchestration. Yet, all of this remains hidden for a little while. Even after the song's recorded, mixed, mastered, and ready for an audience, sometimes there's still a waiting period. And as a subscriber to Sleep at Last's current collection, I get brought in to what is going to be revealed before it, it, it's fully released. I get brought into this, this hidden masterpiece. And I must say, it's quite exciting every time a new song is released. I, I always look forward to delighting in this new creation. What if the Creator God Is writing the most marvelous masterpiece the world has ever heard? What if the glory of Jesus Christ is a symphony waiting to be revealed? What if your life is a melody line in that symphony? And what if the church is subscribed to God's masterpiece, getting a glimpse of what is soon to be revealed as we wait in trust? I invite you to listen to this passage of Scripture from Colossians 3, 1-4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Before exploring this passage, let's pray. Living God, we thank you for your holy scripture. We ask that you would speak through it to us today. Help us to hear what you would have to say to us. And would you empower us through your spirit to live in response? Amen. We're continuing our sermon series in the book of Colossians, exploring how we can live into the new creation. And I have good news for you today. In Christ, you are a new creation waiting to be revealed. Your life can be about more than just trying to survive, can be about more than even your own pursuit of happiness. Your life can be about more than even your own efforts at trying to make some good in the world. When you give your life to Jesus, your life is linked with His. You get caught up in something bigger than yourself, something cosmic and glorious. Your life becomes a melody line in God's masterpiece. It's no longer just what you are trying to do with your life. It's about what God does through you. You can experience a new joy, peace, and purpose in your life with God. Your your life can be lived in a way that blesses others. And with God, your life doesn't end suddenly when you die, but carries on into all eternity. You get to be a part of the new creation of the future when heaven and earth will be one. And this new creation is being pulled into the present. We get to be Subscribers of God's masterpiece, seeing glimpses of heaven on earth in this life. But if we aren't paying attention, we might miss it. If we are too absorbed in earthly things, we might not notice the glory above. This passage of scripture that I read raises some questions What are these things above? What are earthly things, and what does it mean that our life is hidden with Christ? This all sounds quite mysterious, but let's try to explore what this might mean. What does it mean to set your mind on things above? At first, it sounds like thinking about heaven. Do you remember those old Philadelphia cream cheese commercials Should we be sitting around picturing angels on fluffy white clouds, eating cream cheese, or maybe playing harps? Should we be daydreaming about pearly gates and golden streets? I don't think so. After all, those are just caricatures of heaven, not the real thing. Setting our minds and hearts on things above is about something much more profound. We first need to pay attention to the whole sentence, not just one phrase, so let's read verse one again. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We're not meant to just daydream about heaven. This is about having our hearts directed towards Jesus, who ascended into heaven, who reigns over all, And this is ultimately about our devotion to Jesus. Do you ever struggle to connect with Jesus? Maybe you you know about Jesus, but you don't really know him personally. Maybe you've read about Jesus in the Bible, you've heard about Jesus in sermons and songs, but where is he now? It would be a lot easier if we could see him. Perhaps some of you here today don't believe in God. Or maybe you aren't quite sure yet. I hope you feel welcome here in our community. This is a place for you. And I wonder though, does it seem strange that we, we talk to and sing to someone who doesn't appear to be in the room? When we pray, it might seem like we're just talking to ourselves. My hope and prayer for you is that someday you will come to realize that there is, in fact, someone else present whom we cannot see. That Jesus is with us by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and simultaneously, Jesus is at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms not floating on clouds, not on a planet somewhere, but simply behind a veil in another dimension of reality in the spiritual realm. Heaven is where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And this means that Jesus is enthroned as King of the universe. Jesus is Lord. In an earlier sermon in the series, Pastor Ken gave a couple metaphors for what having Jesus as Lord is like. First, he said that Jesus doesn't want to simply be a single-vote committee member along with everything else that's a part of you, your emotions, your, your ambition, your will. Having Jesus as Lord means Jesus gets veto power. The other metaphor for Jesus as Lord is that Jesus gets to sit in the driver's seat. If Jesus is your Lord, you let go of the steering wheel and trust Jesus to make the decisions on the routes, the speed, the destination in your life. And now the Lordship of Christ is about much more than just Ourselves as individuals. The reality is that Christ is Lord of all. Back in Colossians chapter 1, we saw that all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. In Him, all things hold together and all things are being reconciled to God. There is a universal scope to the Lordship of Christ. However, until Jesus appears again to judge the living and the dead, to bring heaven to earth, many people are either unaware of the Lordship of Christ or they're simply choosing not to surrender to Jesus as Lord. But Christians get to subscribe to God's masterpiece. We have a sneak peek of the heavenly reality that is waiting to be revealed, that Jesus is, in fact, Lord of all, that Jesus is reconciling all things, we can live now in light of the future reality of heaven on earth. So how do we do that? How do we live now in light of the life to come? How do we live as citizens of heaven? How do we have Christ be our king? We set our minds and hearts On Christ this requires focus attentiveness devotion and determination if you were if you had your heart set on starting a new career you would do all that you had to do to to get the qualifications you need you might quit your job so you can focus on retraining maybe living off of savings or getting a student loan for a little while You would give it your all in the application and in the candidacy process. Likewise, when we want to have our hearts and minds set on Christ, this requires focus, attentiveness, devotion, determination. We need to give it our all in our faith. So there's a reason why certain things are called spiritual disciplines. To keep our hearts and minds set on the Lordship of Christ, we need discipline. We need to spend time with Jesus in prayer and Scripture even when we don't feel like it. And there's a great variety of ways we can approach this, so if you need help learning some, some different approaches to Scripture and prayer, let me know and I'd be happy to give some guidance. But one way or another, setting our heart and mind on things above requires spending time with Jesus and having our whole life guided by Christ. It's about aligning your heart with God. Without a determination to remain in Christ, we easily drift off. Spiritual disciplines are like an anchor on a ship. If we don't set down that anchor, we could be easily swept away by the waves of life and eventually lost at sea. This is why Paul urges the Corinthians to set their minds on things above, not on earthly things. What are earthly things? This is easy to misunderstand at first, just as it's easy to misunderstand what things above means. Earthly things does not refer to everything on earth. God made the earth and called it good. Paul isn't suggesting that you shouldn't delight in a delicious meal or that you should stop enjoying the sunset or outdoor adventures. All that we experience in life, we experience on earth. There are many good things on earth that are gifts from God. The earthly things that Paul is referring to are things that are opposed to God, things that go against the Lordship of Christ, things like selfishness, sin, injustice. Just after this, this passage that I read in, in Colossians 3, 5-9, Paul lists examples of these earthly things, such as sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. These are, of course, examples. There's there's plenty more that we could think of, too. Paul tells us to put these earthly things to death because we have died with Christ, and we have been raised to new life in Christ. Paul gives the metaphor, the imagery of of changing clothes later on. He, He talks about how we have taken off our old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. I picture myself wearing old clothes that are dirty, stained, and torn. This is my, my old self that I'm being invited to remove. And in exchange, Jesus is giving me new clothes that are clean and, and fit me just right. This is my new self in Christ, What comes to mind for you when you think of your old self? Did you struggle with selfishness? Did you act on sinful desires? Did you struggle with greed, rage, lust, slander, filthy language, or lying? Are there still parts of your old self that need removing? If Christians were immune to these things, Paul wouldn't need to give the church these instructions. The early church struggled with earthly things, and it is a struggle for the church today. Earthly things are a strong temptation. Something catches our eye and we want it, or something rises within us and we can't control ourselves. The same pitfalls that the whole world struggles with are in the church as well. Lots of scandals have been exposed recently regarding church leaders who have abused power. And this is a shameful disgrace. My heart goes out to all the victims of this abuse as well as to all those whose faith has been shaken by this breach of trust. When a Christian leader commits a major moral failure and causes harm to others, we're left wondering, what happened? While there may be all kinds of different details in each story, it all comes down to this, to setting hearts on earthly things, rather than on things above. Really, this could happen to anyone. We all need to be on our guard against the schemes of the enemy who tries to pull us away from God with earthly temptations. I'm not immune to this. I face temptations most days, like anyone else. Thankfully, I've begun to recognize some things. I've noticed patterns. I pay attention, and I've realized that I'm more susceptible to the schemes of the devil when I'm stressed or when I'm feeling unappreciated, things like that. So I, I try to put in some preventative measures, like Sabbath rest and, like, practicing thankfulness. These spiritual disciplines create some... Uh, resilience against the schemes of the the devil. Over the years, I've, I've also grown in my ability to recognize temptation for what it is before falling into sin, like noticing a pothole in the road early enough that you can swerve around it. But just as I sometimes drive right over a pothole when I'm not paying attention, I sometimes fall into sin. But I thank God that there are people around me that I can confess to people that will assure me of forgiveness, point me back to Jesus, and pray for me. And if any of you don't have people like that in your life, let me encourage you to consider asking someone to be a spiritual companion with you, to have these deep kinds of conversations. Or you might want to join a life group or a soul trio or find a spiritual director. We all need people in our life who who can help help us keep our hearts and minds set on things above, not on earthly things. Now, I want to take this a step further beyond personal holiness. That is important, but there's more to the Christian life than avoiding sin. Have you ever heard people say that someone is too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good? Unfortunately, some Christians do live out of touch with reality, But that's not the way it's meant to be. Some of the greatest change makers in the world have been people whose hearts and minds were set on the lordship of Christ. I think of Martin Luther King, one of the most prominent figures in the American civil rights movement. While not perfect and sometimes caught up in earthly things himself, Martin Luther King also had his heart and mind set on things above. He would not just settle for earthly things of injustice, inequality, and racism. He had a dream of a taste of heaven on earth. He had a dream of peace and justice transforming the nation. Martin Luther's dream was rooted in his Christian faith. And near the end of his I Have a Dream speech, he quoted Isaiah 40 from the Bible when he said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Dr. King is a powerful example of how setting your heart and mind on things above can transform the world. But it's not just big names like Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, or any other famous saint throughout history that can can offer the world some transformation through their heavenly mindedness. Every ordinary Christian can make a difference in the lives of those around them when they set their minds and hearts on things above, when they focus their energies towards Christ and what Christ is doing in the world. For example, treating your neighbors and your coworkers with kindness, gentleness, patience, and compassion, even at times when they're being inconsiderate towards you or others, that kind of Christ-likeness transform your workplace. It could transform your neighborhood. A bit of heaven can touch earth when you let Christ direct the way you interact with those around you. So like Christ taught, will, will you treat others how you want to be treated? Will you genuinely care about them and be considerate towards them? If your heart And mind are set on things above, you will bring flourishing on the earth. It's like a solar panel. It would do no good if a solar panel was pointed down towards the earth. But as a solar panel is pointed up, it receives energy from the Sun and then sends that energy to all that is connected to. When our hearts and minds are set on things above, on Christ, We send empowering energy to all those that we're connected to. So far, we've explored what it means to set our hearts and minds on things above, not on earthly things. So finally, let's explore what it means to have our life hidden with Christ. Again, this could be easily misunderstood. A life hidden with Christ sounds like we're we're hiding out somewhere, far removed from the rest of the world, or, or like we're... We're being secretive about who we really are, not being open about our our Christian life. But those go against other biblical teachings, so don't think that's what's going on here. Instead, I want to suggest that there's something parallel between the invisible reality of the lordship of Christ and the invisible reality of our new life in Christ. You can't necessarily spot a Christian in a crowd. It's not like, where's Waldo, and we're all just dressed in in striped sweaters and a hat. Christians blend in. It might even be hard to spot the differences looking at the circumstances of our our lives. Just like everyone else, Christians eat and sleep, we work, we rest. We live in various kinds of ordinary homes and use the same kinds of transportation. Of course, there's some exceptions to these general principles monks, nuns, and the Amish sometimes break these, uh, these blending in patterns, but most, most Christians are, are hard to spot externally. However, things are not only as they appear. A Christian is someone who has a relationship with the living God, someone who lives in the freedom of forgiveness, someone who has hope in the life to come. Someone who can experience peace beyond understanding and joy in all circumstances. Someone who is experiencing renewal and growth in various areas of life by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them. Someone whose life is about more than themselves. Someone who has God-given gifts that they can contribute to others. Someone who receives guidance from God. Someone who need not be afraid for God is with them. Many of these things are internal and therefore somewhat hidden behind a veil. Sometimes this is not only hidden to the world, but maybe we don't even see the full picture of who we already are in Christ and who we are becoming. Who we already are in Christ is something that we need to take by faith and then live into for the rest of our lives. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. So now live into that reality for the rest of your life. Maybe you don't feel particularly holy. Maybe you know this stuff, but you don't feel like you're experiencing it. Maybe you've been believing lies of the enemy and you're caught in sin and shame. If that's you, I encourage you to pray with someone after the service. I'd be happy to pray with you. There will also be people at the back who could pray that you might be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. But for now, let me remind you of this good news. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have died with Christ and you have been raised with Christ. Jesus paid it all that we may have new life in him. Your life is secure in Jesus, and all you need to do is stay with him. Our lives are hidden with Christ. There is more going on than we can see. The world doesn't see the full picture of who Jesus is and doesn't see the full picture of who we are in Christ. But one day, all will be revealed. This masterpiece that God is writing will be released to the public and it will be glorious. Your life will be a melody line in God's masterpiece. Let me conclude with this. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright wrote that one day, God will flood the present creation with the new life which is currently hidden in the heavenly realm. One day, Jesus, the Messiah, who cannot at the moment be seen within the old world, will appear again when God transforms the whole cosmos so that what is at present unseen will become visible and earth and heaven be joined forever in the fullness of new creation. And when that happens, all those who are in Christ, whose present true life is hidden with the King and God will appear as well as the glorious, renewed human beings they already really are. In Christ, you are a new creation waiting to be revealed. Let's pray. Living God, we cannot see all that you are doing Much of your action in the world is hidden from plain sight. Help us to trust that you are in control, ruling over the universe, and that you are making something out of our lives. May we be amazed at what you have done when all is revealed. Lord, keep us from getting distracted with earthly things. Draw us into your presence every day. May our hearts and minds be set on you. Amen.